As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. This podcast is brought to you in part by Creative Live. Creative Live is an online learning platform featuring classes taught by industry leaders such as Nir Ayal and Alex Bloomberg. Go to creativelive.com forward slash rocketship and find some of our favorite classes, buy them and get 30% off. Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. I'm Joelle Goldman. I'm Matt Goldman. And I'm Michael Saka. Today, we talked with Jason Freed, the CEO of Basecamp. Guys, what'd you think? This was a great one. Jason talked with us about how they build and release Basecamp and the things that they do to be a company that's going to be around for the next 30, 40, 50 years. It's very different from what you traditionally hear. And I think you'll learn a lot from this one. Yeah, there were there were a lot of lessons to take away from this, but I think the thing that stuck out most to me was his philosophy on 
the habits that you start early on are the ones that you're going to carry through long term. Um, that's just human nature. And it really makes me think about the way we are running our business and our lives day to day and what habits um, I would like to change and what habits I'm happy with for the long term. So um, great things to consider here as we get into the new year. Yeah, let's get into it. Bench is an online bookkeeping service that provides you with tax-ready financial statements from professional bookkeepers. Let Bench handle your bookkeeping so you don't have to. Go to bench.co forward slash rocket ship to get 20% off. 20% off your first six months today. Today. (laughs) So Jason, welcome. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you recently released um, Basecamp 3. Uh, give us kind of an overview for those that may not be familiar with Basecamp and, and even what this 3 means um, to you guys. What the product does specifically? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Sure. So yeah, Basecamp <clears throat> is a tool for any group of people. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. doesn't matter if you're professional or your student or whatever it is, you have a group of people and there's certain things you need to do with that group of people if you need to get work done together. So um, sometimes you need to hash stuff out quickly. So Basecamp 3 has chat built in for that. Sometimes you need to post announcements and send stuff out, sort of more of a broadcast kind of mailing list sort of thing. Basecamp has tools for that. Sometimes you need to divvy up work and organize it to make sure you know who's doing what, what needs to get done by when, one of the deadlines, that kind of stuff. Basecamp has tools for that. Um, you often need to check in with people on a regular basis automatically to find out how they're doing, how are things going on the project, you know, that kind of stuff. Do you have any random ideas you want to share on a weekly basis? Basecamp has tools for that. So Basecamp is a series of tools. It's a bundle of things that every single team, no matter what they're working on, can use to make progress on something together. And it's unique in that it's a bundle. A lot of tools that exist today are individual tools. There's a chat tool here. There's a to-do list tool here. There's docs over here. There's all these different kinds of things. And people are sort of duct-taping solutions together. They're trying to integrate a bunch of different things all at once. And while that works for some technical people, most people do not want to go through the process of shopping for multiple tools, onboarding their teams in multiple ways, paying multiple bills, and dealing with different interfaces and different styles of working. So Basecamp is, is sort of an all-in-one shop or stop shop for people who just want to work together. And um, that's kind of what the product is. And Basecamp 3 is the latest version of that. And so, I mean, you guys have been building Basecamp for what I believe is now almost 15 years. Is that right? Uh, 12, the, the product is about 12 years old. The 12 company years. is about 16, yeah. Okay, yep. okay. And so how did you approach kind of this latest version um, you know, still iterating on kind of the same core ideas around Basecamp and why you built it. Yeah, so every four years or so, we force ourselves to rebuild Basecamp from scratch. Um, and the reason we do that is because it's really easy to become complacent and it's really easy just to sort of iterate locally on something and not be able to bring new ideas to the table. It's very similar to like car companies. Porsche 911 has been around for 50 years, but they've had seven different generations of the 911 along the way. It's still the same fundamental spirit of a car, but every seven years or so, they have a whole new chassis, whole new engines, the whole new thing, because they have to reinvent the product on a regular basis. And so that's what we do with Basecamp. And every time we, we go through a reinvention, which is what we just did with Basecamp 3, which launched about six weeks ago, um, we look at 
<clears throat> the changing needs and changing habits of teams, starting with our own. How do we work? What do we want to do? Um, how do we want to work together? What's missing from our existing tool set? What is inefficient? What could be better? What are some new things we could build that help us work in a much better way, which surface things that are hidden in people's minds normally, but are actually coming to the surface because we use a tool like Basecamp? So we kind of go through that exercise, plus we, we hear from thousands of customers over, over you know, many, many years, and we have lots of really good deep insights about what they struggle with, what's difficult for them, what they can't seem to get done with other tools or what they can't seem to get done with other people. And we take all that input and, and sort of revamp Basecamp in a major way. And so that's what we just did with Basecamp 3. And we added some brand new things that Basecamp didn't have before. So we added chat in. So in 2000, a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't know this. We basically invented um, company group chat. Um, back in 2006, we launched something called Campfire, which is uh, sort of the first sort of software is not necessarily the first, but one of the first software as a service chat tools for, for teams, persistent chat rooms. Um, now these things are, of course, there's a lot of different iterations and, and different versions of them from different yeah. companies, but um, we had that product going for a long time. We've rolled that into Basecamp. So now Campfire is part of Basecamp. Um, we added what's called automatic check-ins, which is a way to check on your company's, on your team's feelings and how they're doing and how the work's going on a regular basis so you don't have to pester them yourselves. And we've brought some of those tools in, things that we were doing manually before, and now we've automated them in Basecamp 3. So with all the iterations you've done over the past decade, um, I'm curious what was particularly challenging this time around, um, mainly from the perspective that just in the last few years, there's been such a surge of productivity tools out there and the way that we work has changed to me, a lot more rapidly in the last few years than than previously, um, and so I'm curious how you guys approached that and still kind of kept that mentality of Basecamp being a bundle when there are so many individual tools out there that are kind of competing for each of those pieces. Yeah, so I think that's a really good question, and I think fundamentally the way people work is um, has changed at some level, but really it's very much the same. The hardest thing about working with people is people, is, 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 is the human side of it. Um, and whenever you need to get someone together, get a group of people together to talk about something, to work on something, you need to, you need to basically you know, onboard them at some level on some tool. Someone needs to decide that this is a tool we're going to use. Other people need to install something or get something going. And, and so every time you layer on additional challenges by having to say that this is a chat tool, we're all going to use this chat tool. We're all going to use this to-do tool. We're all going to use Google Docs for this. We're all going to use this for that. We're going to use Dropbox for this. Like every, that's a really big challenge for a lot of people. A lot of people in our industry don't realize how difficult that challenge actually is. If you've ever had to shop for software for your small business, for example, it's incredibly difficult to shop for software and just make a decision about what you want to use. And then having to do that three or four or five separate times for five separate products, it's paralyzing. It's really paralyzing. It would be like one of us trying to open a retail store and wondering which um, you know, point of sale service we should be using for our cash register. It's like, I don't know anything about that world. And it would be sort of terrifying to even think about how to go about shopping for that and making sure I'm making the right decision. And then having to do that four or five separate times for all the separate kinds of tools. So we've always believed that a bundle built around very clear purpose tools that are very straightforward 
is sort of the way to go for most people. Certainly some people want very specialized tools for very specialized things, um, but we've always believed in the bundle. I think it's, it's actually a really good fit for most people. So um, while people sort of do change the way they work at some level, for example, messaging has become very popular now. Um, up until this Basecamp 3, we didn't have ta- uh, chat built in. We had chat as a separate tool, so we rolled that in. So that's one realization of, of course, having a chat tool for a long time being separate. Let's bring them into the, let's bring them into the fold. Um, and I've also noticed that the, the, one of the really difficult things is that people who you're working with have a whole bunch of things in their head. They've got ideas about how things are going, how, how, how's the project going, how's the work going, how's everything going. But people will not volunteer that information unless they're asked about it on a regular basis. So asking people things is how you get answers. If you want answers, you have to ask questions. And um, this is a sort of a really deep insight that I've gotten from talking to a lot of different people uh, about this problem, which is that people hear about things too late in a project. It's like, this is on my mind, but I didn't tell anybody because no one asked me about it. Um, this comes up all the time. And this isn't a new thing. This is the way people are, but we were able to, in Basecamp 3, build a tool called Automatic Check-Ins, which makes it really easy to set up these automated questions that go out to your whole team on a regular basis. It could be every Monday, every Friday, twice a week, or every other week, that sort of thing, that ask questions of people, and then they, they, post questions back, they post answers back, which is shared with the whole team, which exposes information that's been buried in people's heads and brings it to the surface. And that, that insight came from talking to a lot of different people about struggles that are not tool-based. They're not technology-based. They're all human-based. And so we've always tried to think about Basecamp in that way. How, how can we actually help people make progress on things versus how do we sort of have feature parity with another tool? It's not about what other tools are doing. It's what people actually need to make progress on things. And that's how we think about stuff. I hope that answers that. I know it's kind of a long answer, but yeah, absolutely. Kind of, I like to get into these details because I think that our industry is so obsessed with tools and features. Mm-hmm. And like, well, these guys are making this, so you've got to have these integrations because these guys have these integrations, and these guys do this way, or these guys do tasks this way, or like, so if you don't have what they have, it's like that's not that's not really how people think about what to buy. Yeah, no, absolutely. They think about what works for them, that sort of stuff. So that's kind of how we like to think about it. So when you're doing a whole new release every four years or so, how do you? How do you maintain the compounding value that you normally have with a SaaS product? You're looking specifically at your support team. Over time, you guys are able to build up answers to common questions and develop videos on how to use Basecamp 2 and really help customers be successful with it. If every four years you have to start over from scratch, how do you keep the team... um, I guess, how do you get value out of the things that you did the previous four years? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And and we... um there's a lot of sort of embedded things in Basecamp 3 that came from insights from Basecamp 2 that came from insights from Basecamp Classic, the original version. So, for example, um, some of the feature core feature set is carried over. It's very similar to going back to the talk about Porsche 911. The engine has always been in the back of the Porsche 911. It's all behind the rear axle. Even though that's probably the worst place to put an engine in a car, no other car is designed that way, that is part of the spirit of the 911 is that the engine's in the back. So even though they've had seven generations of the 911, the engine's still in the back. The shape is relatively the same. 
there's certain insights around that kind of stuff. So there's certain things in every Basecamp iteration that are, that are very core to what the product stands for. Part of that is straightforwardness. Part of that is a series of tools that are very straightforward in terms of um, kind of just flat out working with kind of lowest common denominator technology, like, for example, email. So everyone right now is sort of saying email is dying and is dead. I can tell you that it is absolutely not dying and it's absolutely not dead. In fact, the way you reached out to me is via email. Like yeah. people reach out to each other via email because it's the, it's the widest common denominator. And when you're trying to get people to work together, um, it might be across departments, it might be across companies, it might be across countries with different technical abilities and different sort of setups and different popular things. Email is a sort of a... a something you can always rely on. So we've always made sure that email works really, really well with Basecamp because it's something no one struggles to use. And so those kind of fundamental things are carried through, and then we bring you know, new things and new ideas to, the, to, the, you know, to each additional new version so we're not stuck in the past. But we also don't forget the past because there's some things you learn just about how people work together and what works really well that you, bring, you want to bring through each time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it kind of the, the changing nature kind of brings me to one of the new podcasts that you guys have released now, The Distance. And I, I wanted to hear kind of your inspiration behind taking that angle, you know, businesses that are 25 years and older and telling their stories. Um, is that something that, that kind of you guys felt like you were um, emulating to be and, and you wanted to learn from? Yeah, you know, I, I've always... Well, first of all, yes. So um, we're in it for the long term. We've been in business for 16 years, though we hope to be in business for 20, 30, 40, 50 years if we can, right? I mm-hmm. think that that's, to me, that's, that's an interesting business. Um, I've always long admired companies that, that have a, something on their, on their sign that's like, since 1962 or whatever it is, right? You walk into a place like that and you realize that any business that's been in, around for 25 years or more is not a fluke. Yeah. They are intentionally, so, so they're doing something very, very right. And staying in business is one of the hardest things in the world. A lot of people talk about how hard it is to start a business. Starting a business is incredibly easy, actually. What's really hard is staying in business. Anybody can just start a business tomorrow. They can throw up a Squarespace site and say something's for sale. Like You can start a consulting business this afternoon. Right? What's hard is getting clients. What's hard is... Keeping customers, what's hard is paying your bills over over years and years and years, and dealing with competition and dealing with you know uh, market trends and all that stuff. That's the hard thing. So when someone's made it through all of those things, I think there's something really really wonderful to learn from those kind of companies, and we'd like to be one of those kind of companies. And so I thought it would be really interesting. And these kind of companies aren't often written about because they're not new and they're not sexy and they're not interesting in that way, uh, but. I think their, their stories are so fundamentally important to, to pay attention to if you're in business to understand what it is that they do, what it is that they care about, how they run their business, how they conduct their business, how they treat their customers, how they've dealt with market conditions and, and competitive storms and changes in, in trends and all this stuff. That's where the real lessons are. I don't need to learn. I'm not going to learn a lesson from someone who's been in business for nine months. I'm just not. Like it's, they, they, don't, they haven't been through the things that are difficult yet. So... Anyway, we wanted to highlight these stories. They're often like mom-and-pop shops or small businesses or family-owned or multi-generational. And I find those to be just so warm and interesting stories to hear. And they're not really being told that often, so we wanted to dedicate a, a podcast to that. And so we do, um, 
we, we highlight those kind of companies that have been around for 25 years or more and are profitable and, and, and self-funded. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Are there, um, is there a particular story that kind of inspires you? Um, maybe when, you know, things aren't quite as rosy as, um, as they, they may be. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I always just think about how, how, um, so, you know, like every week, I love what I do and business has actually never been better and things are great, but you have weeks where you're like, eh, yeah. not a great week or yeah. it, a day or a month even you're like, eh, I'm not really on, on this week or whatever. Right. And so what I always tend to think about is, um, and this is something that David, my business partner sort of taught me, which is, um, this idea of negative visualization, which is basically how, think about the worst case scenario. Like what's the worst thing that could actually happen right now? Um, if I'm having a bad week, like that's not so bad because I've had 16 years of great weeks, right? Or like I'm having a tough month or I'm having a tough day. Well, last, last Friday was awesome. So like, yeah, this is a bad day, but I can have another great day. I can have another great week. Had plenty of those. Like the, the thing is, is that when you, when you sort of look at it over the long term, it evens out some of those bad moments. And you go, you know, you just kind of stick with it. As long as you kind of stick with it and are persistent and are thoughtful about the things you're doing, I find that, like, that's just a great way to deal with those kind of moments. And looking at some of these companies, these sort of companies that have been around for a long time, a lot of them have gone up and down, a lot of ebbs and flows in, in, their, in their existence. And they've always figured out a way to sort of persevere and make it through and be persistent and change a little bit if they have to and do whatever it takes to stay in business. And um, I think that there's just a lot of inspiration in that versus the alternative, which is, um, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with this alternative, which mm-hmm. is not my, I'm not interested in it, which is like, start a business, build it for three years, sell it, go start another one, build it for three years, sell it. That's just not, that doesn't interest me personally. So I don't take a lot of lessons from them. Um, but uh, I think, I think that fundamentally, uh, these, these businesses have been around for a long time, just have so many lessons to share. And just, I like to listen to the stories because they're, 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 they do have a lot of struggle in them at certain moments. And it's just a reminder that like, it, it is challenging sometimes and you just got to kind of stick to the fundamental core things that you're good at. Treat people well, have a really great product, speak clearly about the product, um, take care of your employees, focus on the basics, don't get so obsessed with what everyone else is doing, um, make sure that what you're doing makes sense. And like all those fundamental, like down home basic values, yeah. uh, the more I hear about that, the better I feel. Absolutely. Do you see companies today um, growing with them and maybe companies that we don't hear about? Growing with, can with you, I'm not sure. I those kind that. of uh, foundational oh, values? values and um, kind of outside of the, I guess, just sell a business, sell a business, sell a business. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, I think in our industry, a lot of the the, the sort of the focus is on the the, the high flyers and the, and the fast growers and stuff, right? But that's really a very small portion of of all companies. Very, very, very few. In fact, 
those are the extreme outliers. Mm. Those are the zero, like 0.1% real. Um, people are always like, well, you know, what about Uber? And like, well, there, there's one Uber um, right. out of, you know, like there, there's one, there, but there's, there's hundreds or thousands of companies you've never heard of. They're doing quite well that are privately owned. They're just fundamentally delivering a great product. They might be small business. They might be five or six people. They might be 20. They might be 30, but their heads are down. They're not in the press and they're just delivering great products. I see it all the time. So there's um, a friend of mine who's, who's in business um, and he, he sells software for um, maid services, right? Um, for like a maid service that has to schedule, uh, you know, maids who go out and clean people's homes and that sort of thing. And that is a very lucrative business. It's a very good business. The product's very good, but it's not a sexy business. And so you don't read about it and you don't hear about it. Uh, but they're pulling in millions of dollars a year, they're profitable. They've got a small business. Things are under control. They don't feel like constantly threatened by the hottest new thing that's that's right around the corner. Like there's these places. It's kind of like there's all these little places to hide by just kind of getting into a really good, solid niche business and just doing really well and, and making that your life's work as as long as you want to. So that 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 is actually how most businesses are. Um, contrary to sort of the the, the tech media that we that we you know, that sort of drives our industry, which is you know who's worth the most. Who got the the biggest round? Right. Uh, how many rounds have they gotten? Like that's just that is um, business porn, and so it's not really <laughs> it's not reality. It's not just it's not the reality. I just prefer the reality. I just think it's more interesting. Right. <laughs> you know? What is the uh, what's the hardest thing that you've seen about going the distance? You know, being kind of a, a company with longevity. Yeah, you know that's a great question. The thing, the thing that's really tough is to stay true to uh, what you believe. Everybody, and the longer you've been around, the more advice you get, right? And the more people tell you you're right or you're wrong or you should be doing this or have you seen those guys because they're doing it better. Like the the longer you're around, the more you hear. And to to be able to stay true to that, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be paying attention to what's going on at all. Like you absolutely should. When people give you advice, you should listen. But it's hard to stay straight, like to take a straight line and keep walking mm-hmm. um, versus getting distracted. Um, that, that's something I've seen a lot of because um, especially as things change and they change more rapidly and people think that everything's changing so fast. Like there are some fundamental things that are changing. No, there's no question about it. But most things do not change that quickly. Um, most, most things are actually stable for a good period of time. And being sort of Thinking, thinking that everything is always changing so rapidly all the time is a very distracting notion. It's very sort of anxiety-producing. And uh, that's, I think, what I've, what I've heard from as I've talked to people like this, I've heard is like the, the hardest thing for them is like someone's in this business, they're like, well, you should really get into this business too, and you should launch this product also, and you should be doing it this way, and you should be doing it that way. And the moment you stop being yourself, I think, the moment you start trying to live someone else's advice you just don't really know where to go with it. And I think that's where you start to fall. So I'd much rather lay it on the line by being true to what I believe in and how I feel like we should be as a company um, than to try and act like somebody else to try and sort of succeed in their way. It just, it's, it, it's very, very difficult to do that. Um, so I think you're just better off being true. So that, that's the hardest thing. I yeah, know no, absolutely. Times, it's, but. it's, uh, it's amazing advice. It's, it's nice to hear too, because it, it's kind of relaxing in a way, you know, it kind of takes the pressure off. 
That, you know, that's part of a that's a big thing actually. I think that this is more of a fundamental thing that's going on in our industry right now, which which I don't really like. Which is um, a lot of the things that we're using, a lot of the tools that we're using, a lot of the ways we're working, um, and more and more people are working are creating enormous amounts of anxiety, mm. primarily because they are time based. That there's this discussion happening right now and if you're not involved in this discussion right now you can't be heard this afternoon because it'll already be over so therefore you must be paying attention to everything all the time because if you're not you can't get your two cents in so a lot of people pile on and jump in and try to like fight through things really quickly to to make sure they've been heard and I, i find that to be a very um manic approach and um it can be effective in some scenarios but I think that over time, people are going to, to, to see that not everything needs to be discussed in real time right now. Um, I, I, think, I think this is currently people are getting used to discussing things in real time because it's a novel idea for them when before they might have discussed things in a slower way. But um, I think that there's going to be a sense of, of you, need, you need more balance than trying to make everything a real time discussion. And so I think that'll be a really interesting thing, trend to, to see where that goes for the next couple of years. Yeah. Have you guys addressed it at Basecamp? Because that's a very relevant, I, I think, th- especially as teams are remote, time differences. I find, you know, I'm on my phone at eight at night, sometimes having a, a planning discussion, um, mostly impromptu, but that seems to be the time when people may be around. Um, have you guys addressed right. that at Basecamp? Yeah. So it's in a couple ways it, it's cultural. And it's also product focused. So culturally, um, there are very few things that are a company that need to be answered immediately, with the exception of customer questions mm-hmm. and emergencies, like true emergencies, like the servers are down or you know something like that. Very, very few things need to be dealt with at night or on the weekends, um, and very few things can't just wait till tomorrow morning. Now, when people are in different time zones, the way you deal with that is through asynchronous communication. So. Uh, Basecamp, for example, has comment th- tradi- very traditional comment threads, message boards, that kind of stuff where people can post something and it's a threaded discussion where people have time to respond. And this is a big difference between how Basecamp works and a lot of other tools work, which are primarily focused on real time, all the time. Um, with Basecamp, the way we communicate internally is when there's something that's really important we need to discuss, we don't discuss it in chat. Chat's the absolute worst way to discuss really important things that need to be considered thoroughly and thoughtfully. Um, and people need to think about it and step back. And, and so we, we instead post messages or, or use traditional message uh, threads in Basecamp for that. Okay. Because what happens is when you need to discuss something that's really important and you begin to rush it because people start to pile in and you think one line at a time, you actually need to think complete thoughts. And to do that, you need, you need, there needs to be the notion that this conversation can continue asynchronously over a day or two days um, on people's own time, and everyone has their own time to think it through and post something that's, that's thoughtful. So we're very careful about how we discuss things and where we discuss things and what tools we use to discuss things within Basecamp, because the moment you try and make everything this thing that has to be one line at a time, you lose, you lose a lot of... of, of um, you lose a lot of depth mm. in the decisions that you make. And um, so we've had to address that. We also, in Basecamp 3, built a feature called Work Can Wait, um, 
which allows each individual person to set their own work schedule with from within Basecamp, and Basecamp will not send notifications outside of that schedule. So, for example, my work schedule is from nine to five. I work a normal forty-hour week, mm-hmm. and so if someone posts a message or there's something going on in the chat room or whatever at five fifteen p.m., I don't hear about it till the next morning, unless I purposely go back into the app to check. But Basecamp will not yell at me and send me notifications and pings or anything outside of my own work schedule. And I'm totally off on the weekend. So if something's posted, I just won't see it till Monday. If there's an emergency, people will get in touch with me another way. Um, but so each person here is encouraged to set their own work schedule and to not pay attention to work outside of their work schedule. Uh, and I think that that's a very healthy way of working. And that's all coming back to being a company that wants to be in it for the long term. You have to create sustainable work habits. Otherwise, you're going to burn through people really quickly. And burning through people really quickly makes it really difficult to stay in business for a long period of time because you lose all this institutional knowledge as you go if people are constantly burning out. And so it's not a very lucrative way to to work. And I have just one more question kind of on that vein. Um, Do you feel that people can set up those kind of restraints in the early days? We focus so much on the grind in the early days and getting up up and running. Is it possible to achieve that same amount by, you know, working 30, 40 hours a week? I think you have to. And here, here's why. Um, and I violated this a little bit when I was getting started, but um, what I've come to realize is that, and, I've, and the reason I've come to realize this, by the way, is I've talked to probably thousands of entrepreneurs over the past uh, 15, 16 years in a variety of different ways. And what I've noticed is that the habits people form early on are the habits they continue, right? So we're, we're habitual creatures. The things we do early on are the things we continue to do. So if you think that the only way to get work done is to put in 60, 70, 80 hours a week, people don't tend to stop doing that. Mm. Um, three years later, you're not like, ah, oh, now I can settle down to 40 hours a week. You're like, no, no. The way to do it is to work 70 or 80 hours a week because that's how I made it to where I am. Right. And I think that if you're in your early 20s, you can, you can deal with that. But once you get a little bit beyond that, it, it actually takes a toll on your health and, and your physical existence. And that is not worth it, flat out not worth it. Um, so I think that it's very important to figure out early on what, where your limits are with work. I also think that 40 hours a week is an enormous amount of time. Hmm. 40 hours a week is a lot of time to solve whatever you need to solve. Um, and if it takes you 70 or 80 hours a week, then I have a feeling you're probably wasting a good half of that on things that aren't necessary. So I think part of it is figuring out what you really need to be working on and not sort of being manic about um, all the other things you're involved with and all the other chatter that you're part of versus figuring out what you really need to do and putting in a good 40 hours on that. I think that's more than enough time. I really do. There are moments, certainly, when you're going to pull a late night here and there. But I think if that becomes the norm then that's what you're trained to do. And then you don't change. I just I know very few people who busted their ass and have stopped busting their ass, um, and yet they're still in business. I just it, it doesn't seem to be the way the way it goes. People tend to just keep doing what they've always done. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I, and by I the way, totally it's very hard. Yes, it yeah. is. <laughs> I think a lot of people it's hard to like set those up early on because you're told that like you need to hustle, hustle, hustle. Yep. Work, work, work. And I, I get that thoroughly. I totally understand that. But I still think 40 hours a week is an enormous amount of time. And if you're actually focused on the things you need to be doing, it's more than enough time. The time when it's not enough time is when you're doing a bunch of other things that you don't need to be doing and then to make up for the time you didn't spend on the stuff you needed to do. And that's when you balloon into 70 or 80 hour weeks. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it's almost easier sometimes to like keep your head down and grind than to step back and really consider what's important. You know, for, for some reason that's totally illogical, but like you just get in this habit of trying to keep checking things off the list. And um, the hard work is really stepping back and figuring out, you know, what's important, what, what's going to get me to my goal or what is my real goal. Totally agree with that. Completely agree. And, and, and part of that is, is sleeping. And this is another thing that I think is, I've been working on a, a really extensive article on this that I'm going to post on our blog probably next few weeks, um, which is our industry is grossly underestimates the value of sleep. That we're, we're like, we, 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 we celebrate the all-nighters, we celebrate the grind, we celebrate the stuff. Um, most of the really creative decisions and, and thoughts and ideas happen when you're sleeping because your brain is actually doing the work. Your brain needs to do the work. It needs to process the ideas. It needs to process the thoughts, and it can do that when you're sleeping. It's the best time for some of that stuff, which is why you wake up in the morning and you have new ideas. And I think sleep is an incredibly important part of work and a very essential part of work and actually makes you a better worker when you're well-rested. And not only a better worker, but a better coworker because you're, you have more patience for other people. Um, you, you consider their ideas more thoroughly and more thoughtfully. Um, you're not short and curt and like jumping and making quick decisions because you're tired. Um, so I think that sleep is an incredibly important part of work. It's very underrated as a tool, as a productivity tool. It may be one of the best productivity tools there, are, there is. Um, and so that's something we, we definitely encourage. So actually, uh, a week before, or a few days before we launched Basecamp 3, I wrote a message internally um, saying, hey, go to sleep. Don't work late night tonight. I know we've got a launch coming in a couple days. Sleep. We need your brains healthy for this. You know, we're all, it's going to be ch- challenging. You know, we're launching a new product. So now is the time to get a lot of rest. Let's sleep. And so um, I think it's very important. Don't think it gets enough discussion. I think the, I was at a conference recently, actually, and there was someone up on stage bragging, flat out bragging about how little they sleep. And it kind of just, it's like similar people who brag about how many beers they drink. It's like just the wrong thing to brag about. It's just like, it's not a good thing to brag about those things. So I, I feel like it's just a message that needs to be told more, which is go to sleep eight hours a day, is plenty of work, get some rest, let your mind do some work while you're sleeping. And you'll be more creative in the end, and you'll be more patient than all the things that really actually matter versus being tired, exhausted, burned out, and, and short with people. Yeah. Wow. Um, man, that's awesome. So, well, thank you so much for coming on, um, sharing this with us. Where do we keep up with you, and you know, how, do we, how do we get into Basecamp um, online? Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me on, first of all. I hope this was... Uh, this was useful at some level. I know I rambled for a little bit here and there, but hopefully, uh, hopefully this was, this was good for the audience. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Jason Freed. That's just F R I E D. Um, so at Jason Freed, you can all follow me on Instagram where I post mostly designy things and cars and watches and stuff I think is well designed. That's just Jason dot Freed on Instagram. Um, and then Basecamp.com and, uh, is where you can check out Basecamp 3. And by the way, if anyone out there wants a personal tour of Basecamp 3, 
just get in touch with me either on Twitter or shoot me an email, jason at basecamp.com, and I'm happy to spend an hour with you via Skype, walking you through the whole thing, giving you a full, thorough show, and show you how we use it here at Basecamp, because we use it in very original and unusual ways that most people probably wouldn't imagine Basecamp being used for. So I'm happy to give those tours. And uh, also, if you go to um, signalvnoise.com, you can check out our blog. Awesome. Hopefully that was enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an incredible <laughs> opportunity too. So um, cool. should definitely someone should take you up on that um, on a personal tour of Basecamp if you don't use Basecamp currently. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. Oh,